Welcome to the Good Shepherd New York podcast. Good Shepherd New York is a community helping New Yorkers embody the love of Christ for the good of our neighbors. For more information, go to goodshepherdnewyork.com. May you be filled with curiosity, grace, and peace as we listen and learn together through this sacred text. Well, good morning and welcome to Good Shepherd New York once again. My name is Michael Rodzina. I'm one of the pastors here. And this morning I have the privilege of introducing to you one of our guest speakers, Stephanie Spellers. She is the canon under the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church for evangelism, reconciliation, and creation care. She is a brilliant mind and a warm heart. We love having her at Good Shepherd New York. We've had her speak a few times and every time uh, she brings us so much joy and challenges us uh, to think about things in a slightly different way. Uh, one of the first memories I have of uh, Stephanie is singing while giving a presentation. We were at a conference and she was presenting and she just burst out into song and the entire hall was mesmerized. And uh, I think you'll get a, a sense of that in our sermon today. Um, Stephanie is someone who has studied at Harvard Divinity School and the Episcopal Divinity School, uh, and she has written several books, uh, including uh, a book that I enjoyed called Radical Welcome, Embracing God, the Other, and the Spirit of Transformation. She has a new book coming out next month, um, so be sure to look out for Stephanie Spellers and the work that she's putting out into the world. And now, a reading from our gospel text. Our reading today is from Mark chapter 9, and it has to do with the Transfiguration. This is, after all, uh, Transfiguration Sunday. We'll begin in verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was, transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept these matters to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, why did the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it was written about him. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, 
Lord Jesus Christ. Speak to my heart, Holy Spirit. Bring me the words that will bring new life. Amen. I love love. I don't care if it's romantic love, divine love, love of country, love of chocolate. I just love love. So it will come as no surprise to you that my favorite holiday as a kid was Valentine's. Growing up in a small town in Kentucky, I approached Valentine's Day the way that other kids approached their birthdays. Every year I pulled out my white long johns with the red hearts. And it was the one day my mom would let me wear thermal underwear as pants. I had a big red sweatshirt with a silvery heart emblazoned on the front. And on my head, oh, on my head, I had deedly boppers. For the uninitiated, a deedly bopper is a headband with springs boinging out of the top. Mine had glitter hearts at the ends, which made me look like an alien from the planet love. Just thinking back on those days brought me so much joy. I bought this headband on Friday, which means you really can't find anything in New York. So all day and all night on February 13th, I baked batches of strawberry cupcakes. I iced them with vanilla buttercream frosting, sprinkled them with red cinnamon hearts, and then I pranced into Bearden High School like Cupid. Did I mention this was in high school? <laughs> I went into school and gave everybody in my classes a cupcake and a Valentine card. Why? Because I already told you, I loved love. Now mind you, I didn't date much as a young person. In fact, let's be honest, I didn't date at all. Instead, I sat reading romance novels with my mom. She had one sofa, I had the other, and we each had an age-appropriate stack of Harlequin romance novels tucked to the side. Reading about other people in love left me with such warmth and light. It was kind of addictive. It was also safe to love love from a distance. Being out there dating, even trying, it terrified me. My whole life, if I got a crush on somebody, I'd freeze up. All my mojo, all my confidence and sass, out the door. Suddenly I was mumbling, stumbling, sweating. It was not pretty. I loved love. I didn't know how to do it. And so I did not until I was into my 30s. Looking back through journal entries recently, I see when the shift happened. I was leading an emerging church in Boston that met on, th on Thursday nights. Something made me sign up for an eight-minute dating event on a church night. Worship ended, I took off my collar, put on the heels. Within 30 minutes, I was sitting in a restaurant at one of 11 tables set up for 11 women. Meanwhile, 11 men circulated from table to table each of them spending about eight minutes with each of us. I remember every part of that evening. I remember looking around, mingling, taking my table. And I remember because something felt different, where before I would have been cloaked in anxiety and fear, this time I wasn't. I felt bright and free. The first dates were still awkward, it was still me. But it was okay, I laughed at myself, and after a while I was actually setting them at ease. I looked at each person with curiosity, no judgment, no expectations, just compassion. We were all human beings, listening, trying, and hoping. And don't you know the next day when I opened my email with the dating results, 70% of the men who met me wanted to talk again. What made the difference? I thought about it, and here's what I know. Hours beforehand, I wasn't sitting in a mirror picking apart my flaws. I was praying worshiping, leading communion with my church. I had one focus with them, being a conduit for the grace and the love of God. 
making sure that others knew the width and the breadth, the height and the depth of God's love so that we all might be filled and lit up and transform the world. When I literally came from that space, open to God, rooted in love, focused on blessing others, there wasn't room for anxiety and negative self-talk because it wasn't about me. The fear left, love entered. In those eight-minute conversations and in the years of dating that followed, I truly believed I was blessed. I hope I've been a blessing. We knew the power of love. You know, I debated whether to share the story with you today. I'm your guest preacher. You don't need to know all my business. But then I thought, no, we are Christians practicing Jesus' way of love and community. We should share how God's love shows up in every part of our lives especially in love, the arena where we know the giddiest highs, the heart-stopping lows. What could be more holy than recognizing God's movement and our human experience of love? I truly believe that's what I was tapping into all those years, when I was baking cupcakes and giving out Valentines and just loved love. I get it. Love is powerful, so powerful it warms and lights and frees and changes everything. You know, that's what Peter, James, and John were witnessing on the mountain with Jesus in today's gospel. They were gazing at him, and suddenly he shone with the brightest, dazzling light. And then they saw Elijah and Moses in conversation with Jesus, and they were astounded. Peter especially was terrified. Mark's gospel admits he didn't know what to say. Since, of course, Peter can never just be quiet, he has to bluff it. I know. Let's build three dwellings and capture this moment forever. I think what he really meant was something extraordinary is happening here. I don't know what it is. A cloud then comes and it overshadows them. And there's a voice, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And then all they saw was Jesus. What were the disciples witnessing? What made the difference? God's love saturated Jesus. Love built a bridge between him and the ancestors Belovedness filled Jesus and radiated from him so brightly, everything around him was dazzling. What happened for Jesus happens for us. Believe it. In his book, Life of the Beloved, Henry Nouwen writes to his friend, all I want to say to you is you are the beloved. And all I hope is you can hear these words as spoken to you with all the tenderness and force love can hold. My only desire is to make these words reverberate in every corner of your being. You are the beloved. Imagine if we walked around with that desire, the desire not to be right or admired, but to speak these words of belovedness to a scared, anxious, and fearful world. Imagine every time you go on a date or sit in the company of your partner or look at your kid, every time you turn on that Zoom screen, hello. Imagine every moment is an opportunity to announce Belovedness, to be a conduit for the love of God, to just come pouring out. That's how Jesus spent every moment of his life, and it's why he shone like the sun. You know we need that love right now, across America and our own families and friend circles. Y'all, we don't seem to like each other, much less love one another outside of the people we agree with. The trenches are so deep, when someone comes out and talks about kindness and patience and grace and forgiveness, they actually get clobbered in social media. Maybe you saw the Jeep Super Bowl commercial with Bruce Springsteen. 
talking about a chapel somewhere in the middle of America where everyone is welcome, reminding us that the very soil we stand on is common ground. Apparently, some people got genuinely angry about that ad. How dare he tell us we can meet somewhere in the middle and learn to care about one another again? As somebody who spent her whole life loving love and helping other people to open up to the love of God and share it abroad, I've been amazed at how hard that seems right now. But y'all, it's not impossible. Love is powerful, more powerful than our resistance and cynicism. Love can make a way, love can change things. We just have to practice and grow it. Well, this year, January 18th, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, my boss, presiding Bishop Michael Curry, invited the whole Episcopal Church and our neighbors into a wonderfully naive and loving campaign. It's called From Many One, Conversations Across Difference. You can join it at episcopalchurch.org, From Many One, spell out the one. It's a campaign where individual people just share in conversation about the differences that separate us. It's based on the seal of the US that says a pluribus unum, which means from many one. And that's the dream actually that undergirds all of America, that all of us, different as we are, could somehow be knit together into a diverse, perfect union. So we're trying with these conversations. It's simple. You invite one other person to join you in a conversation. Maybe somebody like you, maybe somebody who's really different. For a little while, you just share around four questions. What do you love? What have you lost? Where does it hurt? What do you dream? Some folks think it's just a conversation, but actually this is the spiritual practice of love and action. As we share like this, we become real and human to one another, not projections of our worst fears. I may not agree with you, but now there's a place in my heart where I hold what you value, what you miss, what makes you ache, what makes you dream. Anybody can join us again at EpiscopalChurch.org from many one. I can't wait to have these conversations. Why? I already told you, because I really do love love. When we love God who is love takes over, when we love, we are transfigured. We shine like the sun of God. And when we love, really love, we feel love, it changes everything. Speaking of love, let me share one more thing. On December 20th, I drove to North Carolina and stood in presiding Bishop Curry's front yard in North Carolina. He blessed and married me to my beloved, Albert DeGrasse. There were seven people present, the two of us, Bishop Curry, some of our friends, his daughter running the camera. We had no rehearsal dinner, no big church, no wedding cake, no first dance. And yet I've never felt so full of life. It's not because I got my Harlequin romance ending. It's because love came down and dwelt among us in an intentional and powerful way. That same love power fills this worship. The same love power knits every one of us together as children of God. This love power knits us into union with God who calls us beloved. This love, my friends, is the light of the world. It's the best part of being alive. So hey, why don't you go put on your deedly boppers? And we can all shine on. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Good Shepherd New York podcast. 
Good Shepherd New York is an interdenominational church centered around the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Our church is theologically rooted in the Apostles and Nicene Creeds, but we welcome people of any or no religious backgrounds to participate in our community. If you would like to support us, please text Good Shepherd NY, all lowercase with no spaces, to 77977. That's Good Shepherd NY to 77977. Or visit our website, goodshepherdnewyork.com. Thank you for listening.